Welcome to part four of our exploration of um, chapter three in the empires of the classical era. Uh, in this section, we're going to look at China, uh, which, uh, if you were doing the reading, was mixed in with uh, Rome. Uh, this one should be a lot shorter than the Roman section, though, because they went into a lot of details in the Roman Empire and not so much here. Uh, a little bit of Western, um, more of a Western civ kind of view on things or, or Western bias. Because uh, there's a lot of history there in China um, that, that we could be going into, but we're not. So, <coughs> excuse me there. Uh, but we're going to be looking here uh, at the two dynasties, the Qin and the Han. And we got to know a little bit before then, uh, just to make sure we're all on the same page here. But uh, the Qin uh, is usually declared the first dynasty, but they really aren't the first. Uh, they just reunify China after a, a period known as the Warring States. Uh, there have been three dynasties before then, uh, the Jia, the Shang, and the Zhao. Uh, the Zhao uh, are kind of the, the biggest and most powerful one of those. Uh, and the Jia are more mythical. Uh, there's more and more evidence showing that they did exist, but we don't really know the, the true extent to what they were, were capable of. Um, this warring states will be critical, though, uh, for one, shaping Qin Shi Huangdi and his policies, but also uh, shaping the philosophies that come out and guide China for the next um, well, next several thousand years or a few thousand years, bringing us up to today. So, uh, the man that reunites China after this warring states is known as Qin Shi Huangdi. His uh, family name is the Qin, and that's where we get the the name China from. And uh, to do this, he adopts a philosophy known as legalism that uh, brings strict control over his territories, and if you break the rules, you suffer a, a very harsh punishment. And to implement that, he creates a bureaucracy that uh, forces legalism on people. They try to get rid of the other, um, other philosophies. And he also uh, uses iron weapons and has iron weapons that are mass-produced uh, for his army so that they are constantly well-equipped and better equipped than their opponents. And uh, some other major things here is that he increases farming output because uh, he values the farmers, and he that in turn then increases the population and gives him a little bit of... Um, a little bit of time uh, or a little bit of a, an advantage o over his his neighbors and uh, he will reconquer China within about 10 years and extend the borders to Vietnam and Korea and um, when he conquers the territory he'll force those aristocrats uh, from that territory who will help guide that region to come and live in the in the capital to, to take away some of their control he will also spend a lot of money on some massive building projects. He'll um, extend the Great Wall um, and actually be the one that's kind of creating it. But there are many walls, and he's trying to link them all up together. He'll create a giant mausoleum to himself, um, and uh, he'll create standard weights and measures, uh, which will help him create this Great Wall and the mausoleum, as well as regulate the people. Um, and this will go even into axles and how big uh, wagons are, chariots. And uh, he will standardize the written language so everyone's speaking and writing the same things. But, unfortunately, when you, you're coming down with the, on people this hard, uh, people don't like you that much. And so, after he dies, uh, his sons aren't able to take over. His sons are actually kind of uh, marginalized and, and kicked out of his empire. One, one actually is uh, ordered to kill himself by his advisors um, after the emperor dies. And so the empire collapses, or the dynasty collapses, uh, and the Han will take over, and uh, they will extend the empire, uh, 
um, bring it uh, all the way um, to the Taklamakan Desert in the west uh, and take over more and more of, of what is known as central China, which is the eastern eastern part of China there. Uh, and they'll justify themselves doing this through the mandate of heaven, which we've seen um, be the guidance and the thing that says that you can do what you want as the king because, well, the heavens allow it or the, the ancestors allow it. So um, what else should we know about the Han? One thing is their, their first emperor is a peasant. Uh, he's one of the few peasant emperors uh, in history. And then uh, the other very, very famous one is an emperor named Wu Di. Uh, who who does a lot to uh, improve the state and extend its its boundaries? Um, let's see. Other major things is know that China is pretty homogeneous in their culture. They're they're mostly Han, and they send their the Han people out to the regions they conquer to bring them into it and and assimilate. Uh, the writing was standardized, but the speaking varied. Um, so although the Qin, uh, Qin Emperor, the Qin Shi Huangdi, tried to uh, mandate it, he couldn't change how people spoke. And uh, to maintain this, they, they also used the bureaucracy, but then the Han bring in a civil service exam, which is a, a testing that you have to take to uh, become a part of it. Um, if you pass the test, you could become a, a member of the government, and then you could rise the ranks. Now, this was open to anyone from any class level, but really the only people that could study for this because it would take you a lifetime to study were the elites. Uh, there are a few poor, uh, poor lower class people that would be sponsored by elite families and stuff like that to, to do it uh, or to take it and to study, but uh, that wasn't very common. Uh, and this exam system will, will go on and off throughout all of uh, China's histories up into uh, the Communist Revolution um, or the, actually, the, I should say, the fall of the, the Qing Dynasty. Um, in the early 19th century, or 20th century, sorry. Um, now, uh, one big thing here with the Chinese is they also, like the Romans, do a lot of environmental damage through their iron, iron working with the pollution there, uh, erosion uh, from over farming, uh, and, and that'll go into the rivers, and that'll lead to, to major floods. And um, this will bring about the end of the, the Han Dynasty uh, around 220 CE, um, mostly because it, it had overgrown its boundaries, so it was too expensive to try to maintain it. And then with that, the public works start going. And when the public works start going, you get these natural disasters, and people view that as a it's an end to your dynasty. Um, as well, um, yeah, the there is just too much too much pressure on the poor, and they started to get uh, invaded by barbarians as well. The, uh, a group known as the Zhongnu, which were uh, from the north. Uh, steps. Um, we'll eventually see the Mongolians come from there, but it's not the Mongolians yet. Uh, some other major things to take into account here with China uh, that you would have seen there towards the end and, and part of the collapse is um, uh, arguments about what philosophy is the best to, to follow uh, with Confucians versus, versus others. And uh, we'll see Confucian, uh, Confucian scholars and Confucianism be at the height, uh, at the height of empires. But then when the empires go away, Confucianism will, will kind of go away and we'll see either Buddhism come in or Taoism come in. And um, let's see, with the decline, uh, with the fall of the Han Dynasty, their city centers dwindle, the population goes down, farming goes down, trade goes down, just like we see with the Romans there. 
and uh, this will lead to another 350 years of disorder, kind of like the warring states, but not as bad as the warring states, uh, and we'll see it eventually change uh, with the rise of uh, a new string of dynasties uh, with the Sui first, then the Tang, and then the Song. And they will build off of this model, though, that the Qin and the Han established. So uh, that's China in a nutshell there. Uh, we just have one more section here on India to go.